Welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. So here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I will start by asking, what's new to you, Alex? Actually, you know what? I'm not going to start that way. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just going to, no, we have a guest today and I'm, and I'm on autopilot. Hi, guest. Hi, I'm Will. I'm Ashley's husband. Yes, the the oft-mentioned but never-appearing mm. William is here today with us. This is my second time here. We talked. Yeah, about you were, time. but you were you were fiance last time. Oh, I, I was. True. There we go. Yeah, and Alex. Oh yeah, I guess I just I I, I forgot because Alex wasn't in that episode. Oh yeah. right, right, right. So that was, mm. that's that's why it was there a very go. weird situation. So you guys are recording together for the first time yeah like we've <laughs> never met <laughs> right <laughs> so i'll start by asking what's new with you alex <laughs> oh I, i'm just tired it's a saturday which is a half day at work but it was like everybody decided to show up the last 10 minutes mm-hmm. with all of their problems <laughs> yeah that's the bank on a saturday man yep no respect for how long it takes to actually do things <laughs> <laughs> no concept of it really <laughs> mm-hmm. other than that did you, did you do anything uh, fun I, we, I i watched all of disenchanted i did too yeah we could talk I about that like a little it. bit if we want to eh. it was cute but it wasn't i don't know i wasn't like cackling like i do with futurama i, I agree i agree i I kind of I, I know that a lot of people have been criticizing it, um, and I totally understand why. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's just a, it's a different thing. Like, yeah, yeah obviously you're gonna be disappointed if you're coming an actual into it story expecting... with an actual plot that follows a thread, <laughs> right? So it's just a different presentation, and I certainly take some of the criticisms of it. But I and it's really I like pretty it. too. They do a really great job with not only the animation, but there are some really great um, like cinematic angles and different shot layouts than have been in other of uh, other shows. They put more care like into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, theme song for it is great. <laughs> I love it. But, you know, that's that's Mark. He did the Thor Ragnarok soundtrack, so. And it also, I think it does a good job of defying um, your expectations for it. Um, mm-hmm. Because in the first episode, you're like, they're going to go on a great adventure, and they're never going to go back to the castle again, and you're going to love it. But then they're like, episode two, right back at the castle. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's totally. Yeah, when I heard about the show, I was like, oh, so it's like, she's like a runaway princess? No, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) She's just an alcoholic princess. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bad one. Yeah. (laughs) I do like the Um, demon, though, Lucy. Lucy, I, I love him. I mean, it's uh, Eric Andre, so mm-hmm. he's always great. <laughs> he's great. Anything new with both of you? Uh, yeah, actually, last night we did something pretty cool. Yeah, it was my works uh, gala. So we went and... The uh, Metro Youth Arts Academy. Yeah, I'm a theater teacher, a musical theater teacher, and they asked me if I would sing. And I'm not as much of a performer, but we got to go to a fancy, fancy house. It was a fancy Yeah, I saw the pictures. Gala. 
Yeah, it looks like a. It looked like um, an episode of Black Mirror. That house. <laughs> it kind of did. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, they did a a show choir that was like a day camp. Um, and so they did Greatest Showman, and it was super adorable. Oh my gosh, I've never <laughs> seen the movie. I don't think I will. <laughs> I don't know. I might. I don't really care about it. You, but you, you can pass on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I may see it out of curiosity, but I have no expectation of liking it. Uh, but these kids. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are well, so the, cute. The music is phenomenal. I think the youngest in the little show choir were about four. And Aww. so from like four to 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. And there were like 60 of them. So it was a huge oh, wow. show choir. And um, they were know, all in these fun like circus costumes. Yeah. And Aww. oh, they were cute. Animal leotards and yeah, ringleader costumes. And watching someone who's like two and a half feet tall walk up to a microphone that's set to four feet tall and just go i close my eyes <laughs> it's really cute yeah and there is this and there were even like four boys in it oh, yeah. even mm-hmm. like four boys <laughs> four whole, and one of them he was this little teeny dude he was like five years old mm-hmm. and he was wearing this white trilby and a big red vest that was way too big for him mm-hmm. and he had some pipes on him like i I want to see this kid keep going because, I mean, for just having that kind of volume and control at five was, it's like, ooh, yeah, but you then, got someone. But then later in the evening, it was my turn to sing, and uh, the sound situation was just a complete disaster. At first, we were not sure if I would be able. She was like, um, we will have a piano or you can bring tracks. And so I brought my audio tracks uh, on my phone and she was like well do you have an apple phone and i was like no and i was all worried and stressed out she was like you can use my phone my email it was big chaos um when we finally did get it working it was the most echoey because the speakers in the entire estate were all coming like they were all attached and so you could hear the speakers in the other rooms as you were singing and then it's like it's like a big wide like open plan house with like stone floors and and stuff super echo so echoey it was so echoey that i could not hear my uh, backing track when i sang i sang a couple songs but i sang modern major general which um it's kind of important to be able to hear all the little well and i think the reverberation in the house was like exactly the same pace as the like time of the music so you're just like which dada are we on where are so that one was a bit of a mess but then ashley and i sang the song that goes like this from spam a lot together and there were it was pretty good it was pretty good yeah so, it was it was a fun night. Yeah, it was so fun to go and do a fancy thing and sing in front of people. That's what we were up to. Yes, and then also we we got a, we played Pathfinder with you mm-hmm. last weekend. That was so much fun, yeah. and it was so horrible. <laughs> yeah, bad things happen, but I think it was like our most fun session yet. Like mm-hmm. I think as <laughs> as much as like you know my character got pretty dangerously close to dying and just lots of bad things happen also some really cool stuff happened Uh-oh. here yeah our rogue almost became half spider that, that was weird yeah 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 that was a that was a good one that was a good one. Oh man ashley and i saw this video yesterday it was um I don't remember what exactly it was. It was Adam Savage. He does all of his nerdy videos. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was this guy from... I think Adam from... Savage, um, best known from Mythbusters. Mythbusters, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He was visiting one of his friends from, uh, I think it's WeedaWorks. Uh, Something it, like that. It's in, like a, in Australia. A printing company, 3D printing company. And he started off with this project where he wanted to make 
like he the guy from Weedaworks. the Weedaworks wanted to make i'm probably mispronouncing that i, I think so he he wanted to make uh dungeons and dragons miniature scenery uh from labyrinth and so he was building like a little section of labyrinth and they did a video a while ago on that and it was very popular so he just kept going and he built this huge like it's like 18 foot long like massive miniatures yeah. world and yeah so it's like got this like weird crazy forest and this labyrinth and this like whole town and it's just like a lot of stuff but the cool thing about it is it's all 3d printed modular pieces and so like it's all kind of like mix and match like buildings and walls and stuff that you can like take this level off of this house and put it onto this wall and then put this roof onto it and it looks like this but if you rearrange it it looks totally different and it's so cool i don't know if you can do it full justice just by explaining it but just the the idea that like watching the little little miniatures like do 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 through the little bog of eternal stench into the <laughs> goblin village it's like wow i'm gonna say this there was no bog of eternal stench there, there. was that little swampy thing that little swampy they didn't focus on it they had a little bridge where they had their skipping stones ready to go um, i didn't even see it yeah. but yeah it's really really cool and i'm like super but the cool thing is they're like kickstarting it and so they're actually gonna have um the files that you can just 3d print yourself and like make it yourself and it's super cool i've wanted a 3d about, like, printer for so long <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're becoming pretty affordable for the not there so are great some ones affordable ones but make. you still have to be like a little bit savvy both with computers yeah. and with like a tiny bit of engineering Building. knowledge in case something goofs up right 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 yeah it's 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 got it's got a ways to go but i just i see it just getting more and more accessible i think so yeah presets and big online libraries of things that you can just download and print Mm-hmm. that's pretty cool well why don't we start talking about what we're gonna talk about and why we got our William here. Movie musicals. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically I wanna talk about <laughs> I wanna talk about like the sort of the translation from stage to screen and like how mm -hmm. how it works to like adapt a stage musical into a film and ways in which that's been successful and ways that's been less successful. Uh, so I guess uh, I'll just start with asking, like, what's your familiarity, Alex, with like musicals, either on stage or on film? Um, very unfamiliar with on stage because I never get out of the house or have money to go or that sort of thing or have anyone to go with or have any knowledge of what to go see or have really access to too many different things in this area. Um and then as far as movies go, it's more of stuff that's happened um, since I've been alive. I haven't seen too many of the older things. I know that like the 50s had a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was sort of even, the big golden even, age of like movie musicals. And even uh, after that, like a lot of the Barbara Streisand stuff. Um, I'm familiar with certain yeah. songs, but not with the whole the whole piece. Mm hmm. Uh, well, obviously, Will and I, <laughs> we're kind of musicals people, so, like, I, that's kind of why I want to ask, because, like, we definitely have a certain perspective on it that's mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be the popular perspective on musicals and, and musical films. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I feel like there has been sort of a resurgence in them, like since the early two thousands of like, Oh yeah. They're trying to make musicals happen on film again. Yeah. Well, really it's because um, they don't have any more ideas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're just like, please, any new movie. No. Um, a big part of it is because of Disney corporation. Um, Oh, the Disney Renaissance probably does have a lot to do with it. In the nineties, Disney really got their feet on Broadway. That's when they really started. They, they had some earlier foyers in, into musicals, but they started doing that. And once they Disney Corporation got a taste of, of that, then they, I mean, like Into the Woods is a, is a good example of like Disney Corporation's manipulations and, and things. You mean the film? Uh, yes, the film version. Because the, the stage version is from the 70s. Right, the stage version is from the 70s and not owned by Disney, but uh-huh. Disney acquired the rights to make the film. Um, and so almost positive about that yeah yeah well sure like disney had a lot to do with sort of the revitalization of broadway shows Mm -hmm. but i specifically want to talk about the revitalization of musical films yes um because i Hmm. like because there was a real death of musical (laughs) films like Right about at the 70s, they just stopped making them, and when they did, they were really different than the ones that came before. And I think the turning point was Hello, Dolly. It did not do well as a film. People did not want that anymore, and that was right at the tail end of the 60s when people were like, this is hokey, this is stupid, we don't want this anymore, we want something real. Well, Jesus Christ Superstar came out in the 70s, and that's an excellent movie musical. It's, It's excellent, but I don't know that it was necessarily popular. I With, think, like, the general movie-going public? Yeah, I don't know if it was, like, a triple-A. But, like, movie musicals have, until recently, not really... Well, in the 50s, they were popular, but musicals were popular. But, uh-huh. like, I, I think that it is disproportionately popular now um, compared to how popular musical attendance is. I mean, musical attendance is up, and Broadway is successful right now, but movie musicals are mainstream. Uh, Mamma Mia 2 being a... Uh-huh. a well, that's what I'm saying. Example. Since, like, the early 2000s, I feel like there's been a real resurgence of them. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but they've always been there, just under the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's tough because the stuff that's popular on Broadway can't be popular in the theater at the same time. Just because... Right, you can't make the movie at the same time as you make the stage show. That doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think that's sort of really difficult. Because, I mean, everyone was obsessed with Wicked. And there's still no movie for Wicked. Everyone is obsessed with um, Hamilton. Hamilton, And, of course, Mm -hmm. there's not going to be a movie for that. So it's, it's, it's sort of like the audiences are completely different even though they mm-hmm. all want to see the same sort of thing it's just the product is going to be different yeah and when one of the things uh one of the aspects about like what shows become popular it's the ones that speak to current world problems the most you know hamilton being a super successful or dear evan hansen i mean i wouldn't say that that's necessarily always the case i mean look at like one of the most popular musicals of all time is fan of the opera that's not exactly like current events focused is it <laughs> I suppose that, but that one's an adaptation as opposed to an original musical most musicals i would venture to say are adaptations no no um, i mean hamilton is an adaptation it's an a- adaptation of the biography Alexander Hamilton. A very, very loose adaptation. Phantom of the Opera is like straight up. I mean, no, like, I'd say Phantom of the Opera is probably a looser adaptation of the book than, the, than I Hamilton. I is. don't think so. I mean, like the, <gasps> the the thing that makes Hamilton 
as successful as it is, is the fact that it's a big hip hop musical and it's using people of color. And that's what makes but the story. It, if it was, I mean, yeah, sure. The, the story, but the story is not what's important about that. You could do that musical in a hundred different ways. And this is the only one that would be nearly as successful as it is. But, um, the the point that I was driving towards is that it is musicals are relevant based on what's going on in society and movies they have a longer production schedule and you can't mm-hmm. just like hop on and go well and like there are cases where it's like they really they really screwed the pooch on that even when they didn't have to like rent yeah like yeah. how long how long did they take to put a movie out of rent yeah that came out in like what 2001 the movie yeah 2001 yeah something the, like that um when did the musical come out 1994 yeah yeah and that was you know and and I, I think it was even after 2001 i was in yeah, I was in high school, so 2003, 4, 5, 2005, maybe? Yeah. If only there was some kind of search engine that could... 2005. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> well, I'm already looking at a list on uh, uh-huh. online because it, I think it's really interesting. It's sort of not in chronological order of the list that I'm looking at, but mm-hmm. like the one that I see that is the biggest that was like that resurgence was Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Which is an interesting case because that was a movie first. In fact, it's still not been, been on Broadway. So I was actually just looking this up this year in July in Boston, they premiered a stage version of Moulin Rouge, which is set to go to Broadway next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested in that. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's an interesting case of, of something that, that started out on film. Um, and so obviously like it, it works as a film, but I guess, you know, but then again, it, it is, it's sort of its own genre too, Mm -hmm. along with Mamma Mia, where it's karaoke. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, is, yeah, I guess it is a jukebox musical. Mm -hmm. Um, it's different different than than Mamma Mia. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, because it's not one artist. Yes. (laughs) Neither is Rock of Ages. Uh, but um, I guess more specifically, what I'm interested in talking about right now is sort of the one, like, what what goes into adapting a musical into a film and, like, what when that works and when that doesn't work. Because there are some great examples, I'd say. The best example uh, is Chicago. Chicago. Uh, it, it's an excellent film. It won Best Picture. Like, it's really, really good, and there are definitely reasons why that works, and, you know, something like The End of the Woods, less successful, uh, Sweeney Todd, less successful, don't at me. Uh, <laughs> I know there are lots of people who like that movie, but, like, it's not a great adaptation of the stage musical. And clearly the important factor is whether or not Johnny Depp is in it, because... <laughs> in, yeah, he's in both of those. Both of those. Uh, he's, however, not in Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera, and I have a bone to pick with that one, too. But it was successful, that one was... It uh... was successful, not critically, but um, popularly. How many times have you watched it? 200, 250? In high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I think that... Um, well, first of all, there are a number of different movie musicals, different kinds. I would say there's roughly <laughs> four categories. There's the 
movie musical. It was a stage musical, and then it turned into a movie, and that's mostly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera, Sweeney Todd. And then there's the things that were a movie musical, just conceived as a movie musical. Moulin um, Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Um, and then there's a filmed production, which mm. is like, we're going to film this production and we're going to put it up in like Sweeney Todd in concert, which is an mm-hmm. excellent one that you should watch if you like Sweeney Todd. Um, and then there's like bootlegs, which is just filming. Yeah, I don't even think that counts as a category. Yeah, that's well, not really what we're, that's not an adaptation. Yeah. That's just like a sneaky person who wants to watch it again yeah. later. But I think that they all. <laughs> that's not an adaptation, I'm going to say. That's a thief. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's like, copyright infringement. <laughs> but among musical theater people, like that. I mean, that's ones... a way to watch a musical. Right, right. And, but it's and... not a sanctioned way to watch it. True. I'm not recommending it's that you go not, bootleg your That's musicals. not the the topic of conversation of the day. Right. But they all, those four different categories have different strengths and weaknesses. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting to talk about the, uh, the the strengths and weaknesses of the adaptations. And I think that the, the primary strength is the Hollywood polish that you can add to a movie. You mm-hmm. can do different camera angles. You can do scene changes. But, um, but the biggest weakness is just how much of the element of live performance you lose well yeah i'd say like one of the one of the plethora issues with the schumacher phantom is the sort of um it's that struggle between realism and fantasy whereas i think that part of the magic of theater is like there's this sort of this level of suspension of disbelief you can give to a stage show mm-hmm. that you that is much harder to give to a film. And so like certain um maybe plot aspects that don't come up as a as an issue in the film or in the in the stage version they ring strangely in the film because yeah. you're like wait like what's going on with her and like i feel like there's a scene missing here and you know just certain certain things that you don't you're not quite as readily willing to accept um also i think schumacher really um screwed the pooch as far as his wishy-washy attitude towards magical realism Mm -hmm. i mean it's a fantastical show with fantastical elements and he puts in some of them but then he pulls back and so it just makes the like the magical realism parts seem weirder (laughs) <laughs> he's like got that weird um jean cocteau reference with the like candelabra arms yeah. but then there's like nothing else like that and like later in that song there's the like candles coming up from the water and it's like oh this is just like like the cocteau arms but then those things are still there later so it's like okay were they really like underwater <laughs> they and they came yeah. up magically from the water like what <laughs> the music of the night um <laughs> Yeah, I think that the something important is the spectacle of musical theater. In a theater, it's so much easier to wow the audience. If some, you know, the yeah. chandelier in the Broadway theater is, it's dinky. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> small. I mean, it's, it's a chandelier and like watching it like, quote unquote crash to the to the stage is like wow but like you can't you can't replicate that i mean like i've seen a transformer explode like Uh you can't have a little chandelier fall and have it be a big deal um i feel like uh (laughs) we've been talking a lot alex do you have any yeah uh well i was just thinking of um hairspray yeah Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good one as far as well and it's a little 
different because it's like it was a movie and then it became a musical and then it became a musical movie. <laughs> right. And, and there are a few cases like that with like Little Shop of Horrors was mm-hmm. um was it just a regular film first? The producers, producers. was a regular film first. Yeah, and, and Hairspray, I think, works. I think Hairspray is one of the more successful ones. They took kind of a big gamble just jamming stars in it, and I have to say that John Travolta does an adequate, passable job, <laughs> but he's no Harvey Firestein. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, he's not even a John Panette. He's not even a John But that said, um, uh, Christopher Walken was... But he's Perfect. Christopher Walken. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, and he is a stage guy too. Yeah, like, I I saw him in Hairspray on on Broadway. Um, Christopher Walken, <laughs> when they were promoting the movie, and mm-hmm. uh, he was there for a little. But, like while. James Marsden was great as Corny Collins. Yeah, yeah. I love that Nikki Blonsky continues to be like a Twitter hero because of her role. Yeah, yeah <laughs> she's great. Yeah, but but again, uh, Hairspray. I think it, it was just right on the cusp, but it was you know socially relevant there were a lot mm-hmm. of social justice and racial oh, yeah. issues going on in america when that film came out um and i mean that for both films yeah. and the musical yeah like, i mean because that issue doesn't go away, <laughs> doesn't go away. <laughs> that issue's never um, gone away but the t- you know the timing of it coming on it, it was a little obfuscated by all of the white celebrities that we jammed in there there um, were an awful lot of white celebrities yeah it's true uh, what's her name i don't even oh know. Uh, amanda bynes amanda bynes i don't even deign to remember <laughs> amanda bynes's name um yeah and so like and there are also but but like it it managed to be successful because it was relevant you know people mm-hmm. still care and think about that yeah i had a question and i forgot it mm. oh okay i yes i remember what it is uh so what do you all think was the key to like the success of chicago like what is it that makes that film work in it you know <sighs> in ways that other musical films don't work i think that because we have such an idea of what the setting is because we've all seen a prison movie. We've all seen um, like a trial movie. Yeah. We've all seen that setting. So they were able to surprise us with some of those magical realism setting, like um, set pieces that happened Mm -hmm. like with cell block tango with just like the rows of the, of the bars. (sighs) And then for razzle, given the old razzle dazzle, it's like incredible. So mm-hmm. I think it it does a really good job of setting that expectation of like, oh, this is a dark, dreary, um, stable set that won't change. And then as soon as they start singing those songs, all those rules are broken mm-hmm. and it's really exciting. Well, and yeah, one cool, and I think it's, it's just, it works in favor of the film and it just happens to be the way that the show is constructed in the first place is that all of the musical numbers really take place in a liminal separate space from the action of the rest of the show. You know, they're all sort of modeled after old vaudeville acts. And so it's sort of like this imaginary, like Roxy Hart vaudeville land that all the songs occur in. Um, Whereas with another musical, like say Into the Woods, it's like, yeah, the music's not necessarily diegetic, but it's still sort of happening here and now. Yeah. Whereas maybe, Chicago, the songs all go to a different place. 
Maybe the key to a successful movie musical is Queen Latifah. Yeah. That helps. It does help a lot. Because <laughs> she was in Hairspray. And, uh, <laughs> and she's yeah. in Chicago. And, and also, uh, we got Catherine Zeta-Jones mm. in... Rock of Ages. In, in, okay, Rock of Ages. I don't know that everybody likes Rock of Ages. I like Rock of Ages. We <laughs> like Rock of Ages. Um, I had a professor actually speaking about Chicago who uh, postulated that the reason that Chicago is as successful as it is is because it's filmed like it's on a stage um, yeah. they don't do a lot with creative camera angles you know mm. you're not doing um and early movie musicals like uh bigsby berkeley berkeley Busby berkeley there we go um <laughs> you know they were they were really like let's play around with how cool it would be to have a camera above the dancers yeah heads. crane shots crane shots and, and things like that. that since we can do that with a movie and that was what was special about those early movie musicals is that you could see from backstage and from the side yeah. also um, just like deeply talented performers right yeah also <laughs> you know that, also that you know but the reason that chicago is as successful as it is um according to this professor of mine and i tend to agree is that it was just shot like a stage show like they kept the uh -huh. camera on the fourth wall for the most part and there weren't like bam cut shot snapshot close mm -hmm. up you know well and that makes me wonder so like i because like i'm thinking about old movie musicals and the way that they're really filmed a lot more like stage shows but that's just because films like movies yeah. back then were just filmed a mm -hmm. lot more yeah. like stage shows yeah one camera they didn't have as many camera options and yeah the sets are all sort of like one-sided like flats and yeah mm -hmm. backdrops and things uh which definitely has a different effect and yeah i do wonder if it sort of invokes that suspension of disbelief that you can achieve in a theater that you that's harder to find in a movie, in a movie. Yeah. yeah that makes me think of um my friend just texted me saying she was at the dentist and they were playing cats don't dance in the in the lobby i love cats don't dance and so like me thinking of like the old time sets in like the 50s it's where it's just that flat plane i'm like thinking of cats don't dance yeah. where they're like trying to make this movie and it's a musical Ugh, i mean it's, I a, it. it's a love letter to golden age hollywood and i love it it's a it's a delightful film with an incredible villain Big and loud. that song is so good it's so good <laughs> darla dimple she's amazing <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Uh, so, like, what are some? I'm just trying to think of like specifically um, to to try to to think about other films outside of this sort of 2000s resurgence of musicals. Like, what what did they try to do? Sort of, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. Let's talk about it now. Yeah, I let's love... talk about Jesus. Have you seen the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar, Alex? No. So You're, we're gonna we're gonna sit you down. It's a story. Days. It's a story about this guy uh, I'm, I'm named totally Jesus. Up for that. And, <laughs> I would oh. say it's actually the story of this guy named Judas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the concept behind the film. So the stage show is just a rock, rock opera, opera. The story the, of Judas Iscariot. The, yeah, it's the gospel from Judas's perspective. Right. Um. And the 
people have done it different ways. Um, and recently there was the TV version with John Legend um, that yeah. was pretty good, actually. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it, but I, I heard that of it. all of those like yeah. live musical spectacles that they've done recently, that was like the only good one. Yeah, I mean, John Legend <laughs> is a great singer, but he's not like a rock singer. It was a little bit weird for that purpose, but there's all kinds of different framing devices. And the framing device that the film chose to go with is that it's a bunch of hippies that drive in a hippie bus to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Yeah. And so they're in like ruins in Israel and they're just doing their musical and it kind of fades into the musical. But in the first scene of the film during the overture, they're they're just showing up on their bus. They're getting out of their hippie bus and like taking their props and costumes and like, the Romans you get a are, glimpse of everybody yeah, before the before proper the show, starts. show starts. The Romans are like practicing their whipping, and like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you've got you've got Pontius Pilate in his big like sunglasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, he looks great. Really great. Um, <laughs> and then they just go into the into the musical, and the musical proceeds like normal. But every once in a while, we get a reminder, like it's the seventies, actually. Yeah, that it's there's the like some tanks. Yeah, there's a weird scene <laughs> with the tanks. It's it's very um, it's definitely invoking the Vietnam War in certain yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. With like, it, they're sort of comparing the like occupate the Roman occupation of Israel to like the friggin' like the sort of military occupation of vietnam and also just the conflict in the middle east and like there's a lot of stuff going on there. they don't really good they don't like have the they don't take the time to really make a concrete point no. of it they just sort of throw these they're like hey look we put some tanks in it like, like we gotta think tank. about the war yeah it's like oh yeah i guess <laughs> I but guess there's um, a war <laughs> but the movie is inc- incredible and i think that a big thing that makes the movies movie musicals good is whether or not the musical is good i mean jesus christ superstar is good and is t- timeless and definitely weber's best yeah 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 definitely weber's best <laughs> yeah, I, was... I mean there's some other good evita's great Evita's everybody loves jesus or loves fan of the opera but oh That's okay let's thing. talk about how bad of a movie evita is um have you seen evita the movie alex <laughs> No, but I've heard of it. I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, starring I've heard Madonna. The, yeah. <laughs> okay, so in the original Broadway, they made the choice to cast Mandy Patinkin as Che. Che. Che Guevara. And, and it was the again. It was the seventies. Yeah, so, so it was, it was like, oh different. yeah, you can cast a Jewish guy it's as Broadway. an Argentinian revolutionary. I don't That's know if we have any Latin American people on Broadway at the time, except yeah. for Cheetah Rivera. Um, <laughs> Cheetah Rivera, who has a cameo in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, in the film, it was Madonna and Antonio Banderas. And Antonio Banderas, great choice. Great choice for Che. But the film, it's unsuccessful because, honestly, and, and this is true on, on, on Broadway as well, quite often if a show is not really doing all that great, um, to get a bump in ticket sales, they'll just slap a celebrity in there who has no mm-hmm. real business being in there. And I think <clears throat> often... Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, David Hasselhoff. Diesel, uh, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> um, like, oftentimes, if Broadway... Um, I saw Drowsy Chaperone, excellent show. The, uh, it, the lead, the guy who wrote it, left. And so it was doing poorly because he wrote, direct, produced, starred, he was in it. And then he left. That was Bob Martin, uh, Drowsy Chaperone. And they replaced him with Bob Saget, just because, just because (laughs) people people... would be like, oh, Bob Saget. Oh, I'll go see that. Yeah. And the (laughs) musical closed shortly thereafter. Um, Musicals do this thing because they need a bump in ticket sales where 
it's like the show is not good enough to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. It is really because of the people that are in it that a musical is successful. It's bringing this back around to movies. Yeah. We're okay. talking about movies Oh, it's today. completely so, true. And like, yeah, I, I'm looking again at the list of the movies that have come out recently that are musicals, like Into the Woods, completely star-studded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, some of those stars are better choices than others. Yeah. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. but like... They choose people that aren't necessarily performers in the, in that category, and it yeah, only I mean, works about talk. like one of them. Like Meryl Streep works because she somehow pulls it off. Um, well, also, and she is a singer. Like Hathaway. she's done like musical Broadway stuff. Like that's not out of yeah, her wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Hathaway as well for Les Mis, like pulls yeah, it out. Yeah, Hathaway. I mean, I I definitely would say that I think that um. Hugh Jackman would have made a better Javert than a Valjean, but he was a he was a um, reasonable choice. Um, yeah, and and I think the thing is like yeah, they're reasonable choices and they're names that are going to get people into the theater, but they're not as good. I mean, like mm-hmm. no offense, Meryl Streep is she's quite passable, and if you didn't know any better, you would think that she was amazing. <laughs> but, but if you've seen Bernadette <laughs> Peters play the role, exactly. then you know like... that Bernadette <laughs> Peters is the only person who can play that role. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the people who play these roles on Broadway are amazing. They are, um, um, like, amazing. They do it in one take, they do it eight times a week, you know, like, they are amazing. Yeah. And you're getting someone who is, like, passable and and yeah. so musicals don't stand on the merits of the music alone or of the spectacle alone it really is the performers and when you just throw someone in there and you pay them you know a million dollars and then that's your whole budget for your movie right yep yeah so the biggest the biggest offender of that and it's been staring at me on this list is la la land Oh. oh, okay. I don't remember, Alex. Did you like La La Land? I despise La La Land. Good. And now it's that now that we're good. talking about it, it <laughs> might exactly just be the casting choice because, like, white guy who's obsessed with the golden age of jazz, like, wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, super those, wrong. Especially because it's like his black friend is the one who's ruining jazz. Like, what? <laughs> like, it's, yeah, and, that's just messed up generally. And like. I mean, my nickname for Ryan Gosling is Mr. Mayonnaise. Like, he's super bland and super white, and, like, I just don't care for him. And, uh, and the their voices, like, they have okay voices, but they don't sell it. They don't. I think part of the part of the reason I don't enjoy La La Land too much is just because it is that sort of, like, inside story. You know, it's like, this is a movie made by Hollywood people for Hollywood people. Like, Yeah, but is... imagine if they had actually got, like, sure, struggling I would like actors. Struggling actors slash singers that are trying to figure their way out. Or this could have been their big, huge role, and it could have been incredible. So, that, too. Like, I'm gonna be the voice of dissent and say that I actually like La La Land. <sighs> and the reason that I that I like it is because it is kind of just, like, a fantasy. Like, it is... Oh, my and... goodness. Is it Cats Don't Dance? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> It, but like the most convincing part of the whole movie though i will say is when emma stone is doing her little monologue about like you know mm-hmm. i'll be doing an audition and someone will cry and maybe it's because i'm a theater person and because i've been through that and it just like tugs on my specific like i've been there and so maybe that's the case and people who haven't you know been to an audition where someone is literally talking about the sandwich that they just ate like uh <laughs> so maybe it's that that makes me like it but and and that is the standout best thing but like the music is just lovely and it just, I just kind don't of don't agree like i mean like sort of bringing musicals to film aside like 
I just find the music pretty boring. I don't think it's um, bad music, but because they didn't sell it, I don't have any of it in my, like, I can't remember a single song. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, if you, because the moment that really broke it for me um, was when she gives up and moves home. I'm like, this is Emma Stone. She wouldn't do that. <laughs> she's she already this rich. She's already famous. We like, we know what happens. So I feel like yeah. it, it, it just doesn't, it, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced. And I was already like really not in the mood just because it's so like heteronormative. Right. <laughs> I'm, but, uh, so we were talking about Jesus Christ Superstar, but I want to talk about some other um, sort of films, you know, of the era, because it, it, that was a really weird time for the movie musical, the seventies, you know, that was after the sort of, failure of Hello Dolly and musicals became a really different thing, especially in film, you know, this just Broadway was sort of going in a different direction, you know, from uh, how to succeed in business without really trying to like Godspell. Yeah. Like that's like, that's time. a really big shift just from the sixties to the seventies, what was out there Broadway. and what people wanted. Um, and then on film, people were pulling away even more. Like they took, you know, Cabaret was already a pretty 70s musical on stage. And then they really changed it a lot for the film. You know, some, yeah, that's true. So, something that did happen in the 70s as far as movie musicals, like there was a real shift towards like beach movies. Which, <laughs> oh gosh, the beach. Which, well, that was the 60s. The really. 60s, yeah. But like, we don't really count that as far as like movie musicals, but like they all had musical numbers and. But that was a very 50s, 60s phenomenon of like, well, you got to have the song yeah. in your movie. Yeah, your your comedy has to have a song in it. You've got to mm -hmm. get a singer and they perform a big number. Like, that's just what movies were. Uh, you know, they had some popular musician of the day playing the main character and he sang a song and all the teenage girls like it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like Cabaret, they took it, you know, I mean, like, is the film even like about the Nazis, the Nazis. No, at all not really it's like they took this story that's like this sort of allegory for the fall of Berlin and made it like a weird love triangle with this character who's not even in the stage show yeah so I, I think that's the I think that's the second biggest mistake that movie musicals make is like the creative like well that's not really gonna fly in movies let's just cut it like musicals really are carefully crafted it might seem like they just slapped a bunch of songs together and get from and in early musicals that's true but in any musical past in the 40s on like the songs are there on purpose and so um Sweeney Todd being a pretty egregious example of like ah, we'll just cut that scene we'll move this over here or we'll have this person and that person combined into one character bam well they don't they don't just cut they also add yeah, yeah additions and, and and sometimes it works like in the case of um hairspray they cut some songs and they added a couple new ones and they they worked for the movie but like well Sweeney Todd adds that weird scene where Turpin's like, hey, Anthony, come into my house. Look at my porn. I'm going to throw you out. I have you beaten now. Like, what is the scene with Turpin just showing him pornography? Yeah. So in on the, in the stage version of Sweeney Todd, there's a scene where Judge Turpin is looking through a hole into Joanna's <laughs> room, and he may or may not be masturbating. <laughs> and uh, He has a whole song. that's It's actually frequently cut from the show. Because, because it's, it's just creepy really as hell. Creepy. And so I think that Tim Burton was like, well, we got to get across the point 
that Judge Turpin is a, a real big creep. And But he does leave in a scene where he's watching Joanna through a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah, so there's that <laughs> plus the pornography. <laughs> like, it, it's ripe with implications. Like, yeah, she's just sitting in her window, yeah. but like he could look in that room anytime he wants right, to. Yeah. And you know yeah. that. You don't have to have this scene with him showing Anthony pornography. Like, why <laughs> is that there? Why you add that? <laughs> you cut some good stuff. Why did you add that? Uh, but uh, I will say, though, in the case of Cabaret, as much as I kind of am bothered by the changes that they made, that was a very successful film. Joel Grey won an Academy Award for his portrayal of the MC. Like, mm-hmm. it... it it did very, very well. And I need to go back and rewatch it. But I think part of the reason why Cabaret was so palatable as a film is because all of the songs are diegetic. Uh, we were having this conversation earlier today, Will and I. And um, yeah, in the 70s, people were a lot more concerned, I think, in film with like realism. And mm-hmm. so with Cabaret, all of the musical numbers which they chose to keep happen on stage in the cabaret it's not you know the suspension of disbelief and the non-diegetic you know feelings songs it's (laughs) their actual real live musical numbers that are occurring in the world and so Mm -hmm. that worked for the sensibilities of the time yeah i don't know many other movies that do that once <laughs> we were just talking about once and whether that qualifies as a musical yeah ashley has this hang up that she says that if all of the songs are diegetic that it's not really a musical I, I'm, okay I, and i want to amend that <laughs> uh i think that's that's sort of a broad way of 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 describing it but like i'm i'm on the fence about the film version of once the original film once whether or not it's a musical because it is just like people playing their music for each other because they're musicians. Have you seen Once, Alex? I have not. Um, <gasps> See it. It's a really, really great movie, and they adapted it to Broadway. Um, and uh, yeah, you know what's interesting kind of cross? Because Once is really... Uh, Glenn Hansard is the guy who wrote it and, and stars started it. it. And um, it was apparently almost Killian Murphy. Yeah, Killian <laughs> Murphy almost played the lead in the movie, which is weird. Apparently, um, he's a musician. I didn't really know weird. that. But um, it's it's like a Glenn Hansard vehicle. He wrote these songs because he's a musician, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to tell this story. Um, and it's very small, very small scale, which I think also makes a successful movie musical. The smaller the scale, the better. But contrast hmm. that with Last Five Years, which is uh, something that both Alex nor I are familiar with. Oh man. Okay. So last five years uh, as a musical, it's just two people and a pianist on a black stage with a couple of blocks. And um, it's the love story of, uh, and one person is telling the love story forwards in time. And one person is telling the love story backwards in time. So it's a couple and their, their relationship is being told both front to back and back to front. Yeah. And you go back Mm -hmm. and forth. And so the very first song is like, everything is sad and I'm sad and it's all over now. They dated for five years and it was a big serious relationship. And then the next song is like, wow, I just met this girl and she, you know, blows my mind. And this is amazing. It's a cute song. And they go backwards and forwards. And in the very middle of the show, they're in that little, you know, emotional melange of like, oh, our relationship is both at its peak, but like also on its way down. And Mm -hmm. that's the only duet in the show. Well, they adapted it to a movie and Anna Kendrick is in it and they just 
are kind of showing the songs and they added some dialogue and it's a train wreck. It's, it was like the worst choice. It was a very successful musical and they were like, okay, this is a successful musical. Let's do it. Let's make it to a film as fast as we can. And it took them, you know, five or six or seven years to do that, to make it into a film. And they were like, okay, let's get, Oh, Anna Kendrick. She's really hot right now. Let's put her in there. And it's just, it's garbage. Like I, I like last five years kind of, but they made all of the wrong choices. They did star casting, they did additions, and they just picked, oh, that one's popular, let's do that one, instead of actually thinking about what musical we should make into a movie. Right, it seems like something that really isn't suited to film. Really not, yeah. Now I'm just thinking about Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's, she's great. She's great as Cinderella in yeah. Into the Woods, so that's one of the standout Well, and her very first... Them. Her very first movie was Camp, which is also really good. Yeah, and Pitch Perfect is pretty good. I haven't seen the third one, but I've seen the first two, and they were both. Really oh, Pitch good. Perfect, I guess, fits that. Um, all the songs are diegetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, maybe I don't. Whoa, that makes me feel like maybe that's not a musical. <laughs> oh, blowing your mind! <laughs> because it's more of like a performance. Yeah. Movie. If that makes any sense. The the one that Ashley asked me that kind of blew my mind was Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. According to Will's definition of a musical, that movie's a musical. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, it has several musical numbers that are the point, and it also has a plot. So, like, musical movies are distinct from opera or ballet, um, but, like, if there are musical numbers, diegetic or not, I don't think that really matters. I think that if we do a whole musical number, like, from beginning to end, then it's a musical. Not just one, but, like, I don't know, three? <laughs> I, <laughs> Very technical definition there. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, ultimately it is sort of a gray area. Like, mm-hmm. you and I were arguing about this, but it's, like, neither of us is wrong or right like it's just sort of like i don't know like i don't think scott pilgrim is a musical it's just a song it's just a movie with some songs in it yeah and once is is a is a gray area case because there's a lot of music in it but it is all entirely diegetic it's a it's a movie about musicians and they are recording music together and they are playing songs for each other and it, it may be, you know, certain has certain sort of relevance or allegorical meaning for them, but it's ultimately like, well, this is just what these people are actually doing. Yeah. Like, if that's a musical, then my life is a musical. <laughs> like, you know? So now I've stumbled upon this weird gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found a Filmverse article of musical sequences in movies that aren't musicals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's so the first anything. the first three are Monty Python. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like Life of Brian is well, that a musical? Yeah. Well, Life of Brian only has what one song? They yeah. just do a song. No, they has two. It has one during the end too. Yeah, the end. well, that's the big one. Is um, always look on the bright side of life. Yeah, but they do one like in the middle too. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know. It's been way too long. Since and and so Brian. like that's why I said three. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because the next one on the list is Five Hundred Days of Summer. Uh, which I haven't seen. Oh yeah, and that one it's like oh and and similar to that is um Shape of Water. It sort of has a big musical number in it as sort of oh. a metaphor and sort of like a you remember in Shape of Water her, their big dance number? It's a dance number but they're not singing. She is. Not... She sings the song. 
Does she? Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, she sings it. She sings and they dance. It's like an old Hollywood film. Like, she likes to watch with her bestie. Oh, yeah. Like a big Hollywood dance number. Which actually is more like a dream ballet, which is sure. a whole other thing. Dream ballet. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of a dream ballet. But yeah, so there are those kinds of things where it's just like a one big song to sort of like make a certain point. Yeah. Oh. What else is on the list? Spider-Man 3. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Spider-Man 3. It's we just could. the last thing listed, and it just says, and sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> we could talk about Spider-Man Wait Until Dark. Uh, we, we couldn't, because that's not what we're talking that's about not today. That's not what we're talking, we're talking and about. And that's also, that's not, that's not what it's called. It's called Turn Off the Dark. Oh, Turn Off the, pardon me. <laughs> God. I auditioned for that. You did. Um, yeah, yeah, movie musicals. And so, like, there is this, like, what is a movie musical, what isn't a movie musical, and I think the definition has changed with time. Mm -hmm. And especially as, like, in a modern sensibility, like, people and their willingness to make something that's just Moulin Rouge-esque, like, let's just do a musical. Like, it really does complicate things, because if it was a stage show and then it's a movie, like, yeah, that's a musical. Like, even if you mm-hmm. kind of pared down the music or changed it around Yeah, a it's bit. obviously, like, Sweeney Todd, Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, that's a musical. It's right. A, it's a musical. Mm, yeah. They like cut it. some songs and change some stuff around, but it's still Sweeney Todd. Yeah. How do you feel? Like, I guess you probably like them. Like, the old timey musical movies like i mean like the film version of carousel and like the king and i are you asking me yeah i actually don't care for those so much the old timey ones because i mean like there's a certain amount like it's preservation like it's like oh okay this is kind of sort of what was going on and it's like a time capsule and so that's kind of good but like again the thing that makes a musical good is the live performance and so like mostly those movies are boring like they're pretty boring to watch carousel i love carousel i know you love carousel i love carousel but like watching the carousel film like i have to take it in in chunks i'll watch like half an hour of it and then go do something else and then come back and watch another half hour of it well i'll i'll give you this i don't like carousel but i've only seen the movie however i don't (laughs) think the stage version could improve things for me this was a real nice clam bake that's great (laughs) Listen, so I'm, now I'm I'm less concerned with the clam bake and more concerned with the rampant misogyny and abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you find? So again, I'm I'm off doing my own thing because yeah. I'm very distracted. <laughs> um, looking looking at um, best uh, original song for the Oscars mm-hmm. over the years and seeing which mm-hmm. ones were musical songs. That's an interesting one. Yeah, talk about that. Um, so 1939, Over the Rainbow, Wizard of Oz. Right. So. That's a musical. A musical. Mm-hmm. Um, 1940, uh, Pinocchio, When You Wish Upon a Star. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Disney, yeah. Disney's taken that category many times. Many times. Yeah. Um, 1942, Holiday in Holiday. White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. song from Holiday Inn? White Christmas. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, let's mm-hmm. see. Going My Way, State Fair, The Harvey Girls, Song of the South. <laughs> song of the musical. South? Was it what? Zippity Doodah? Yeah. <laughs> um, what else is here? Um, not a lot that I recognize, actually. Yeah. Um, let's go to the 60s. Breakfast at Tiffany's, but that's Moon River. Not a yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sings the number, but it's diegetic. Yeah, and that's really the only song, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Barry Poppins, Chim Chim Cherie. That's the song that won. All the songs from that <laughs> film. Okay. Um, Doctor Doolittle, talk to the animals. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's some straight, like a lot of non-musicals, obviously. Yeah. Uh, a Star Is Born, Barbara Streisand, Evergreen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad musical theater kid. I don't know as much Barbara Streisand as I should. I'm really only starting to to listen to her now. Mm. Um, one of the podcasts I listened to just got super duper obsessed with one of her songs mm. that is like incredibly relevant to today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so that's fun. Yeah, so I uh, don't know. My diva of choice is Celine Dion. She's the one that I. Go. But she's not. Re- she's not a musical. She's not theater a musical diva. theater diva. But she's one. Of, that, she's she's, great she's my Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, she's great. And then we have Fame okay, from Fame. 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 What year is that? Uh, that is 80. 1980. Oh, and it was up against 9 to 5? How did 9 to 5 not win, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird time. Well, because that, that's an interesting time of shift for musicals as well. Like the 60s to the 70s and then the 70s to the 80s. Like those are just some really different eras of musicals. Are there other songs in 9 to 5? Because they just made it. I don't know. They just I don't know if they actually sing that. I think it just plays. Uh, no, she does in the opening sequence of the film 9 to 5. Okay. She's like, walk- oh, actually, no. She's just walking around and it's playing. Yeah, I think it's just playing. I mean, it's weird because it's her. And yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they just made that, into a, the made that into a stage musical. So there yeah. are other 9 to 5 songs. I think that's on nice. Broadway right now. Or it just left. I think a lot of the, ni- the 80s best original songs here are like, because the 80s had some great music, I think they're just more of like... Yeah, songs, songs that were written for movies. Right, right, right. Yeah, like Top Gun, Take My Breath Away. <laughs> <laughs> Take my breath away. Yeah. Dirty Dancing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That one, Which, that's probably one of the greatest movie songs of all time. They also made into a stage musical. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. The 80s was a big time for stage shows, but a real bad time for movie musicals. For, for it's it's a bad time for stage musicals too. It was a big time. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> they were. It was a weird time because yeah. that was when like the big spectacle shows were starting. You know, that was the the heyday of Weber and just yeah. all of the big craziness. When did they make the Cats movie? <laughs> well, there's not like a movie movie. They're making one it's, right it's just now. A recording of the. Of, it's just a recording of the stage. Yeah, production. yeah, yeah. And so, but I think that came out in the the nineties. Because that one, I remember renting it from Hollywood Video. Yeah, yeah I watched and that. every other person in America. Yeah, but it's not a movie. It's a filmed <laughs> version of the stage show. They are right now apparently working on a movie version of Cats, which just sounds preposterous <laughs> to me. Um, but also because guess who's gonna be in it, Alex? Oh no! At least oh, this no. is this is. I think I've heard, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Taylor Swift. N- my burn it down. <laughs> as, as, as who? I know, right? <laughs> who on earth could Taylor? Swift? She can't dance. Yeah. It's a dance show. I mean, the what are only they doing? cat that doesn't dance, cats don't dance. The only cat that doesn't dance <laughs> is Grizabella. She can't possibly or old Deuteronomy. Old Deuteronomy. <laughs> Um, Taylor Swift also can't act. <laughs> Ouch. Rough. Well, I mean, think of the movie she's been in. She was in a tiny scene in um, that one book movie that came out recently. I don't even know. She had brown hair. Uh, it's the sad one where there's no color. Mm. 
<laughs> the giver. The giver. Oh, I didn't see the giver. She was in just a short little scene, like a memory scene, and she doesn't. I don't know if she even says anything. She just has like a cameo. Yeah, weird. it's really. But weird. yeah, and I think like James Corden is gonna be in it, which like cool. He's great um, as a singer, but like I'm, again, I'm so over him. You're over James Corden. I've always been over him. Oh, I like him. I think he's great as the baker in Into the Woods. Yeah, I hate Into the Woods um, as a rule. <laughs> he's not a Sondheim guy. I, I'm not a Sondheim guy as a rule. Um, I hate, and he's the baker that I have most liked. Like even the original or um, the, the the original the f- filmed version, um, the baker is like the worst part of the show. And I was like, okay, James Gordon, you're all right. You're all right. He's he's jovial and so. The standout for best song in the '90s that doesn't fit with the rest of them is from Evita. Oh, Evita. Nice. What 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 song is it? The, um, Don't cry. You for must me love me. No, you must love me. The, oh, because that was written for the film. I don't know if oh. they usually count. Songs. Oh yeah, I guess if it's not written for, because it's not an original song. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's the. Um, but the '90s had some amazing songs. I mean, all of the Disney Renaissances yeah, in there. You yeah, you got um, what Beauty and the Beast one, didn't it? You've got Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, uh, then Aladdin, then Lion King, then Pocahontas, then Prince, well, Tarzan, Prince of Egypt isn't Disney. No, it's not. The Prince of Egypt, that's a soundtrack. That's one. Oh, man. I, okay. I got to talk about Stephen Schwartz right now because he wrote a lot of that. <laughs> He's my favorite. Like, oh, yeah. Well, because he wrote he, won the, he wrote the he won songs the in Prince of Egypt. He wrote um, the songs in Pocahontas, which I don't like as much. Um <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, he wrote Wicked. Wicked. Uh, he wrote The Baker's Wife. He Enchanted. God's Wife. He wrote, yes, Enchanted. He wrote uh, Pippin. Children of Eden. Chil- yeah, he's a friggin' genius. He, uh, he wrote the music in um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's a, he's a genius. And what happened with Pocahontas? I don't know. <laughs> well, he won the Academy Award. Yeah, That's what happened. Yeah, he won, but... I mean, like... <laughs> It's it's very difficult to do, but if you can set aside racial insensitivities, <laughs> it's mean, a boring movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, the music is very good. The music is. No, very you're good. right. The music is good. Schwartz is Schwartz. Yeah, Colors of the Wind. And it was up against some tough competition. It was up against Randy Newman's "You've Got a Friend in oh, Me." That's a that's great song. T- that wow. It is a great that's song. good. Yeah. It lost. Yeah. Oh, and then that same decade, Toy Story 2, When She Loved Me, Randy <gasps> Newman, Music and Works. Performed by Sarah McLaughlin. You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Carin- Collins. Oh, it boy. lost Randy Newman. Wrong. It lost It Ross lost to Phil Collins. I can't, it don't, I mean, like, I'm a big fan of old school Phil Collins, but, like, I'm, like, the only person who does not care for the Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah, I don't like it. It, it, it works for what it is. <laughs> don't agree man Oddly, I really like guess what was guess what was also in that 1999 category blame canada by yeah. Yeah. yeah they they were up for weren't they up for like a couple That's was a it just that awesome they must have been i think it was just that one but I can double check if they were. Yeah, that's a, no, like that's a great like, movie musical. It is. I'm falling deep into Wikipedia. Wikipedia whole. <laughs> I gotta say, though, man. Yeah, that's the only Academy Award they were nominated we for. We were talking about La La Land. It robbed Moana. Okay? Okay? The songs in Moana are not... They don't have the same kind of inspiration. They, they... I disagree, man. I, I, it doesn't have a great villain song. But other than that... And like what it was, how far I'll go. Yeah, that's classic. Yep. How far I'll go is very good. It is the best song. But and the song that La La Land won for was like City of Stars. City of Stars. I don't. I, I, I the music. Don't care for that. I mean, like, song. 
I I have to I love La La Land. When I hear the music come on, it gets me every time. The dun 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 dun. Okay, that's but that's the score. Um, but that no, that's the opening number. Really? And oh, that's right. Was it City of Stars at one, or is it that opening number? Because it was it was City of Stars. Because that opening number where they're dancing on the oh, but audition was also nominated from that. Hmm. Yeah. Which seems a little unfair that they got two songs nominated for one category. Yeah, <laughs> Rigged. Yeah. I think that <laughs> movies have had like multiple actors nominated for like best supporting actor from from one movie. That would be really so. hard if it was well, like, yeah, me and you. But, but the, this is like the same writers yeah. <laughs> of the song. Right. Yeah. But no, Moana was robbed. 100% robbed. You know what I still can't get over is um, what? Brave winning the animated film Oscar over uh, Wreck-It Ralph and, and Paranorman. Paranorman. I'm a Wreck-It Ralph fan. You're a Paranorman, Paranorman. fan. Brave was Paranorman is one of the best I mean, animated it was, movies of all time. It was a tight like all three of those movies were excellent, and I don't begr- I don't think that Brave oh. doesn't deserve an award for it. But I think Paranorman was better. <laughs> I think Wreck-It Ralph was better than both <laughs> by a landslide. Paranorman's all right. It's pr- it's better than Brave. Oh, 2011 <laughs> only had two nominations for that category. Oh man! Whoa, what, what were they? What was that's weird. 2011, oh. The Muppets and Rio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a great. But the year. only nominations. <laughs> I mean, you only get what you get, man. Mm-hmm. People just weren't doing it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, so I think, like, to sort of recap, I think what makes a good movie musical is that you can't be, first of all, it has to be a good musical, like, <laughs> yeah. the first thing, um, and then it has to be one that translates well in scale, like, if it's a musical that's trying to wow you with dancing or spectacle or something like that, it's not going to be as good, and then... You know, I'm gonna... What do you think? Well, you... again, like, uh, that just reminds me of Phantom of the Opera. And I and I think that Schumacher did some great stuff with set design. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really campy because it's Schumacher, mm-hmm. um, but like that's cool. And I think they did a good job of sort of scaling it up mm-hmm. um, for film. And, and and like that's really the only part of that film that I can like give a the spectacle a full of thumbs it. up to is just like the beauty and the spectacle and the visual design of it. Yeah, honestly, I mean, like I know that you don't care for it very much, but I think that Phantom of the Opera is pretty pretty successful. It was well liked. People watched. I'm it, not saying like it. whether or not it was like it made a lot of money or people liked it. I'm saying if it's like like good. if it's good, enduringly good, <laughs> and just like yeah, just like did it? Did they? It's not like it's, it's, it's not. not. It's <laughs> good. Um, and it's so then. Good dropping stars in there that have no business being in there that's a, another sin of uh the family of the opera. opera um and then uh making unnecessary or harmful edits you know mm-hmm. excluding oh it's fine we'll just mash those two characters into one character and add a scene with an airplane what miss saigon oh. <laughs> i don't know miss saigon no there's a helicopter at the end it's- weird yeah it's weird to put a helicopter in a musical yeah <laughs> they put a whole big helicopter on stage it was a big deal Miss oh. Saigon. yeah wow yeah wow um yeah so I, I, I but like adapting a musical if you want to adapt a musical a stage musical into a movie you should first of all probably just not but if <laughs> <laughs> 
no, no, but like, it's important to have them. Like, I mean, I think that the concert versions are really where it's at. Like, I think that you should do concert versions with the celebrities um, that are in it. Not, not celebrities. I, that, that's the, the stars, the, the stars that are in it. Um, like, honestly, all of these TV ones, the, the whiz, we could talk about the whiz. We could, but we don't have the time. We don't have the time. <laughs> Um, all of the, all of the we, TV... there's also a lot of a lot of those tv versions that we could not talk they're, about and should not talk about they're, just, they're, they're so bad and because they're doing all of those <laughs> things they're not supposed to do but if you just do like i don't i mean but like let's start you know our our star pupil our best example chicago star studded as hell yeah every single yeah. principal character is played by a big star yeah they're just good yeah, they're just good. <laughs> they're just good at what they're doing. <laughs> but um, and the production company for Chicago was stage people, not movie people. That's, that's I think that's what secret. it is. You yeah. have to have, yeah, it's gotta be people. You have to have people who understand film and people who understand theater working together right. to find where it has to sit. And more people on the theater side than the right. film side. If you're gonna do that, yeah. Preferably people that actually helped produce the original. <laughs> also also very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Although sometimes <laughs> those people can be a little bit overly precious. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, no, it has to go like this. And in fact, um, Into the Woods really suffers from Stephen Sondheim's contributions. He was like, we're going to do it like this. And this, these are the changes that I've wanted to make since the 70s. And it's like, Stephen Sondheim you're you're old now like <laughs> you were on a different level go hang out with george lucas exactly. and, and talk about the yeah, things and, that you wanted to change um, yeah yeah exactly like oh it would have been so much better if the wolf was actually fully clothed <laughs> no no when he's got a wee, -wee. yep that wolf yeah you gotta see this stage version <laughs> alex because the wolf has a whole penis he does i mean because he's a wolf i mean it's, he's it's, naked he's a wolf and he's naked and he's got a penis it's like the donald duck thing is, is he wearing a leather jacket he's yes not... he's wearing a leather jacket no pants penis out like a la donald duck if donald duck had a had, had a, a penis <laughs> yeah it's just it's just this great extra level of yes. discomfort yeah but i also just think johnny mm -hmm. Depp was a really bad choice yeah that i think he's a, just it's a very in all ways for every movie these days yeah like he's we're done with him now yeah these days for sure we're done goodbye <laughs> johnny Depp. i'm done with you thank you for benny and june thank you for benny june thank you for ever sister hands go away and let's cast mads mickelson in all of your future <laughs> roles <laughs> oh brother yeah all right. Well, we, I think we could probably keep talking about this forever, so we should just we should probably be done now. But um, do you guys have any? Oh, give us an update. Give us an update before we do our, our recommendations. Give us an update on Avatar. Oh, actually, so um, I haven't watched it since you were over. Um, but uh -huh. we. Oh gosh, let me try to remember what the last stuff was. So we've got um, craziness with uh, season season two ended, and and Bossing Say has fallen, and that's sad. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> let me try to remember. Oh, oh, sad. fucking Iro's yoked now. <laughs> Straight up yoked. <laughs> Getting bought. He's so. 
built. Oh my god. We did watch. Can yeah, we, we did. I forgot that yeah. I did watch a little yeah. bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. We watched the beach episode. <laughs> we watched the beach episode. Oh my gosh, I love the beach episode where Azula, you actually finally see the crack in her right. armor. Right. Like she's like, "Oh, she's like a person." I mean, she's an insane person, but like we get another side. <laughs> I love it when she's like, "We will be the most powerful couple of all time." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say, be, maybe be, probably because I haven't been watching every episode as it goes on, that scene around the campfire was a little ham-fisted. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, cheesy as hell, but I enjoyed it. That this is the case? Yes, just because this is the case. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but if, I think part of it was like the framing. I, I don't know right. if you watched the whole episode, but it was like this island causes things to come up. And so it was yeah. like, it was maybe a little like. It was ambitious a for a half an hour not, episode. Right. Is what but, it was. It, but. It'll be solidified by the end yeah. of the season because um, let's just say the whole team eventually goes oh, there. Wow. Uh, and one of the greatest episodes in the whole series occurs, and it actually fits into what we're talking oh, about today. The, uh, there's a theater theatrical it was also re- <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it was also really cool that there was that firebender assassin who's got a tank for his firebending. His third eye is just he like He just really explodes stuff. Sparky Boomman. Scary. Yeah, what's his deal? How does he do that? They 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 call him a they call them a combustion mm. bender. Well. So it's 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 like a type of fire bending but only two people in both Cora and the original Avatar. Wow. Yeah, he's scary. Mm-hmm. He's real scary. Yeah, he's got a metal arm and a hawk. Yeah, I liked uh, but the yeah, I think that with the beach episode, it it's it sort of like the idea it's like this these people they're not acting normal on purpose right like right. something okay. weird is happening to them There's because of magic. this place like it's not just that they would well even even that. like the even like the twin ants yeah. yeah they're like all kooky and crazy whereas normally <laughs> in the firebending capital they're like right they're real scary normally exactly yeah it was weird mm-hmm. to see them like loosen up hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's some good stuff you know zuko's going through just crisis of conscience after crisis of conscience it's 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 good it's fun oh the footloose <laughs> episode was good the one where ang's like we gotta dance everybody <laughs> oh yeah footloose. <laughs> and ang is Kevin Bacon. and that's when they, they got their new firebending outfits they're very cute, they're very, very cute. Mm-hmm. yeah it's we're getting there i i plan to be ready to watch the series finale episodes next time you're over so we'll we'll see well i'll to to get you excited to keep mm-hmm. watching basically every t- member of team avatar gets their own special episode coming yeah. up where there's like character development and also special powers yes. learned man more cuz like we've already got metal bending happening yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's so much there's so oh boy much. i can't wait but no, I'm just loving what's going on with Iroh right now. He's oh, yeah. mm-hmm. always the best. There's also a Halloween episode coming up, too. What? There was oh, an episode boy. that aired on Halloween, and it's probably the most terrifying, uncomfortable thing you will ever see. Oh. Because, yeah, we watched that one with the, the, the painted lady. That was pretty Oh, fun. I love that one. I love that one. Yeah, that was nice. That's like Katara, one of Katara's special episodes. She has a lot this season. Yeah. yeah because she's, she's like. through a lot of growth. Yeah, exactly. She's actually like a person with her own goals and feelings and disappointments. and Yeah. She's not just an accessory to the protagonist. Well, yeah, season one, she's very like, help Aang, help Aang. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, she's got her own stuff going on. I mean, she wants the world to not, you know, die, but she, <laughs> she also has her own sort of concerns. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you have any uh, recommendations this week? Um, I don't think so, actually. <laughs> well, hang on, yeah. Let's give it a, a minute to think about it, because I feel like I had something that I wanted to talk about, but I can't. Um... I've got a recommendation. Go to theater. Go to community theater plays. Just <laughs> even high schools. Like, go look at your local high school. Ask them if they've got a drama department. Usually it's like $5. And even if it's bad, like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your evening? Yeah, it's a worthy place to put your money. Yeah, um, into, a, into a high school drama department. I, I and sometimes like, it's more fun if it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally it is. <laughs> um, I mean, like, worst case scenario, you just supported some, you know, high schoolers or community theater um and i mean like if you can afford it the big ones that come into your your theater go see a musical um live theater movie musicals are no substitute the best ones are still a shadow of a live musical mm-hmm. that's very true i i mean we've seen some stinkers on oh stage. yeah we've seen some bad productions uh in our day like man um what was it that was so bad? Which uh, one? Oh, oh, um, Macbeth was real bad that we yeah, saw. Yeah, that one's real, real bad. Um, <laughs> that was a bad production. They just, wait. Real. They tacked oh, on I thought, scene. I thought you were saying you saw a Macbeth musical. No, oh my god, what? <laughs> that would be something. Honestly, though, if they did like a campy Macbeth musical, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no we just saw a really bad stage production of Macbeth. it was like this weird steampunk theme that was just tacked oh, no. onto it yeah not uh not great i don't like to speak ill of performers who are given at their all but there were there were problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah this was uh this was a little community theater in bellingham yeah. not not the best but the, honestly the uh, de- the theater department at the college didn't put on great shows. Here we are, like, go see shows. Oh, there were also some real bad ones we've seen. Like, yeah, great but, endorsement. Know, but, but the thing is, like, those bad ones really were. They were good to see. They were good to see. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun night out anyway. Mm-hmm. One way or another. And if you like talking about things, you get more to talk about out of a bad musical than a good one. Oh, and yeah. What, and what were they doing with this part? Whereas the good ones, it's just like, oh, it was good, right? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And it makes you feel really, like, smart and talented in your own right. Like, I know all the things that were wrong with this because yeah. there were so many things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like, sitting there with a notepad, like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. having taken some film studies classes, I definitely ended up doing that a lot with some, <laughs> with some movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, find your recommendation, Ashley. No. Um, so what I will say is, so I've been talking about um, the YouTube channel Nick's Fears uh, mm-hmm. recently, um, and uh, the um, host of the channel uh, May. She's a she's a trans woman, and she recently made a video. She was really um, unsure about it, but she made a video talking about her sort of coming out and her um personal journey with that you know in recent years and it's a really great video just talking about her her feelings and her experiences and um it's been getting a lot of love and that's really great and so if you're interested in hearing uh somebody's 
personal story um, dealing with a uh, transition and coming out. It's a it's a great video, and she's a delightful person. Um, the channel is Nyx Fears, N-Y-X-F-E-A-R-S, and you should support her and give her a lot of love because she's really smart and cool. Um, I think my recommendation is there's a tweet that I liked today, and I'm going to find it and then share it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I recommend this. Tweet. I don't remember what it was. Where is it? Oh, I might not have liked it. It was so funny. Oh, that makes me so sad. Oh, no. Why would I not like it? What's wrong with me? <laughs> oh, here it is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Glenn Close not having an Oscar is like Bjork not having a Grammy. Everyone agrees they're geniuses, but unfortunately, they're, they scared your dad one time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yep. Both very talented women. Yep. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate and subscribe, comment, whatever. Uh, It helps nerds find us. It really, really does make a difference. Also, leave us like a review. Yeah, that would Um, be cool preferably a positive one because if you like berate us that'll be make us feel sad also it's not helpful um just for our like you know visibility (laughs) (laughs) but i mean be true to you i don't know (laughs) we're so supportive of you (laughs) to support us yeah (laughs) check us out on twitter at lit merit pod for updates and news and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, no, no guilty, guilty pleasures, pleasures and, and cats, cats don't, don't dance. dance. <laughs>